Welcome to another edition of Park Talk Podcast, the official podcast of the Naperville Park District. Hi, everyone. I'm Sue Omenson. One of the delights of the warm seasons in the Midwest is seeing butterflies fluttering around. The monarch butterfly is probably the most recognized species, and it's, and it's been in the news lately for its dramatic decline. Today, I'm excited to have as our guest, Pat Miller, who has been advocating for monarchs for years. And as a master gardener, a master naturalist, and a conservation specialist, you've been learning and teaching about monarchs for many years. What inspired you to be interested in monarchs? What inspired me was that I grew up in a time where children were expected to spend all their time outside. You came in for dinner, you came in for bedtime. You came in during the day, your mom would say, what are you doing in here? Get outside. (laughs) And I've noticed that changing dramatically, even in my own children. And I also noticed another change, which is nature was something you drove to. You Mm. drove to the forest preserve, you drove to a park, you drove to the zoo. And we've lost that nature is in our reach. It's right in our backyard. And there's also been an increase in fear of insects. Most mm-hmm. adults and children are very afraid of insects. And the butterfly is a great introduction because most people are not afraid of butterflies. And the monarch caterpillar can be handled with caution quite readily. So this was a phenomenal tool to engage people in insect conservation, but monarch conservation. Would you tell us more about the story of the monarch butterfly's life cycle? So monarch, which its actual name is Donus plexippus, is an insect that goes through complete metamorphosis, which means it has four distinct life stages. Starts out as a little tiny egg about the size of the, uh, the end of a pen on the underside of a milkweed leaf and it will be an egg for approximately three to six days. Then it will hatch into a minuscule little caterpillar (laughs) whose one mission in life is to eat. And that is what it does. It will eat and eat and eat as much milkweed as it can get. And it only eats the milkweed, right? It only eats milkweed, yes. There are are 20 different um, species of milkweed here in Illinois that are native, not all in DuPage County, but there's many, many milkweeds. So in the caterpillar stage, it has what are called five instars. So a caterpillar's skin cannot stretch. And of course the caterpillar is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So at some point it can no longer fit into its skin and it literally crawls out of its skin. Its face cap pops off and it will harden on a new skin. And this will happen five times. Each of those times is called an instar. Let me just give you an example. So if we were a caterpillar as a human, by the time we were 18 days old, we would weigh as much as a school bus. Oh my. (laughs) At the end of the fifth instar, it sheds its skin one last time. And what what is underneath is the chrysalis. When it first loses its skin, it just is a green blob. And then as the chrysalis, the cuticle of the chrysalis hardens, you begin to see this beautiful chrysalis shape There are little gold beads all the way around, and it just looks like a jewel. Fascinating. And it will be in the chrysalis for about seven to 10 days. And then the chrysalis will actually crack 
The monarch is actually expanding and contracting inside of it to crack the, the cuticle. And then it drops out, holds on for dear life with those legs. <laughs> and then it pumps its hemocrat or monarch blood, shall we say, which isn't blood, to open up its wings. Okay. Because they're, you know, they've been inside this crystal, so they're really scrunched. Takes a while for the wings to dry, several hours, and then it will fly off or sometimes just rest for a while and fly off the next day. We have monarchs in DuPage County from mid-May through the end of October. The monarchs that we see in May, June, July, and August are monarchs that are going to live approximately 21 to 42 days. The monarchs that come out of their chrysalis at the end of the season, September, October, come out in a slightly different state. It is a monarch that is designed to live for about 240 days. It can make the trip all the way to Mexico. What's interesting to me is that we still do not know how they find their way. Because if you think about this, the monarch that is migrating, its parents didn't migrate. Its grandparents didn't right. migrate. So how does this creature know where to go? It's still, it's still a fascinating question. Uh, we still don't have a concrete answer. Now, do they travel in groups? They don't start out flying as flocks. But as they start funneling, the group is from the east of the Rockies all the way to the east coast. And of course, they're flying either along the coastline, the east coastline, or they are funneling into Texas. And what is interesting is that they're, they often will perch in groups for the night. Monarchs do not fly at night. They are daytime flyers. Okay. So they will perch on a tree, actually, just underneath it. Often you can't see it. But they seem to also cluster on the same trees every year. I know two people in St. Charles who have these monarch trees, which every year during migration, their trees just filled overnight with monarchs. And then the next day they're gone. It's really amazing. What we're thinking is that the monarchs are using the location and angle of the sun find their way. Because if you think about a monarch from you know Massachusetts, New Hampshire, versus a monarch from Illinois or Michigan, here in the Midwest, they're going just straight south. If they're on the East Coast, they're really making a very angular trip. They have to be using something that is more steady. Okay. So, um, of course, in the news, we've heard that the numbers of monarchs are greatly declining. Why is that? There are so many reasons. There's not just one. We could trace the decline beginning when GMO crops were introduced, genetically modified crops. What genetically modified crops allowed was for farmers to plant a seed that had been modified to withstand glyphosate, mm -hmm. or Roundup Ready, Roundup Ready seed. Mm -hmm. So the farmer plants the seed, it comes up. When the weeds come up, they go through their field and they just spray the whole thing with glyphosate. Now, glyphosate is an herbicide that kills everything that's green. It is indiscriminate. Well, milkweed used to grow in crop, you know, in farmlands, along the highways. It was everywhere. It's ubiquitous to Illinois. So much of this has disappeared. Also, we have become, as homeowners, absolutely in love with our lawns. So changing that or accepting more wild looking places. And that means planting more natives. They need a lot of nectar plants 
on their trip, both north and southbound. Right. They need the fuel. They need the flowers. But they cannot live without milkweed. They just cannot live without milkweed. That is their only host plant. Well, that leads me to ask, what are people doing to bring back milkweed and other nectar plants to encourage monarchs and to help them recover? There are many, many organizations now, what I would like to say, jump on the bad wagon. Chip Taylor, who started Monarch Watch in 2015, started the Monarch Waste Station program. And his goal was for people to plant the plants that are needed in a, in a yard to support monarch butterflies. And then you could register your yard as a monarch waste station. So that was at least my beginning to where I saw something concrete. Yeah. Well, and the monarch waste stations are, are so uh, helpful um, because there's something that's doable. You can do it in your, in your yard, right? It's, it's so easy. There's a list of plants that are recommended. Don't have to plant them all, but it is recommended that you plant at least 10 milkweed plants within those 10, two species. And then thinking about, again, nectar plants for spring, summer, and fall. Some source of windbreak is nice because butterflies can't really fly in really strong winds unless they're going the right direction. It's, it's all on the Monarch Watch website and we have surpassed over 10,000 way stations and Illinois is now number two in the country, which I'm very excited because we were number three against Michigan for a long time. And I kept thinking, we have more people in Michigan. We should have more. So we surpassed them, which I'm very proud. And you know, Jane and I, that was our focus in the beginning was to make people aware of this project and what they could do as individuals. I think it's so overwhelming to hear that a species is in trouble. And one thinks, well, I'm one person, what can I do? And the, the reality is every single person can make a difference in what they have control over. I was also going to ask uh, what gives you hope for the future of the monarch, even though there are some indications that it's, the species is still struggling. Certainly there is a great deal uh, of emphasis now on educating and informing people of the monarch's plight. Government has jumped on board in that they have always had conservation reserve programs, but now they have a butterfly conservation reserve program specifically to help monarchs and other, other butterflies in Illinois. Um, they have a conservation program for nesting birds. And this yeah. is a program where you can set aside so many acres of your ground that you farm and you plant just native plants and they'll give you a list and then you either mow it or burn it after the first year. And really that's it. Right. After and that, you, it sustains itself. Right. Yes. And the agreement is that they pay for half the seed and they pay you a set amount every year to not farm that land. And that program has been expanded. So that is really great. That is. Um, in Mexico, they're, the people that live in the mountains called Eduidos, they have formed a watch program in the mountains to try to protect the forests. And how, how can we encourage children to just go back to spending more time outside in nature? I'd say give them an old spoon or a trowel and let them dig in the dirt. There was a saying when I was a child that you should eat 
50 pounds of mud by the time you're 10. Or 50 pounds of mud, but we made mud pies and we sometimes tasted them and we spent a lot of time outside. And it's just so fascinating to see what is out there from ants to roly polies. Whenever you've handled a caterpillar, you will never forget how soft and squishy and wonderful that was. And monarchs are a very calm butterfly, so they also can be held pretty well. Um, that's That was my goal, was just to get children to connect with the monarch. And I would take as many live ones as I had so they could see the eggs, they could feel the caterpillars, they could touch the monarch, you know, the butterfly. And my goal was that if I was in a classroom of 30 and three of those children spent more time outside, I feel like I'd won. You know, I'm realistic that my son, when he was a senior in high school, I went over to the high school for something. And one of another student said, oh, you're the butterfly lady. You know, my son is terribly embarrassed. But obviously I made an impression on that child when he was in grade school, which was very, very satisfying. That's very rewarding. <laughs> well, we thank you so much for your your work on behalf of Monarchs and just for um, spreading the word and uh, letting people know uh, how important it is to appreciate these insects, you know, how fascinating they are, how many questions we still have about them. I just want to commend the Naperville Park District because you, along with many others, are doing an outstanding job with your resources to get people outside, to get them in touch with nature, helping the monarch. But when you help the monarch, you're also helping other native species. And I would want people to realize that every single person is very powerful. We make choices every day. And those choices have a long-term con consequence. Yes. Yes, for sure they do. Well, I think it's extremely encouraging to know that um, even one child who develops that love of nature can make a huge difference over their lifetime. As you said, um, it's not just the monarch that's in trouble. It's many species of insects. And insects are the fastest disappearing group of animals or creatures that are disappearing in the world. And insects are the basis of all life. So if we lose insects, we're in trouble. We need them. I remember as a child, especially being fascinated with um, fireflies and ladybugs and daddy long legs. Oh, yes. And even bumblebees. I mean, those things are are so fun to watch and to learn about. And, and thank you for encouraging kids to do that and just to spend time, like you said, digging in the dirt and <laughs> being outside. Just taking time to look around and smell and hear. Hear the sounds. If the wind blows, what's rustling? What bird is singing? Later in the summer, you'll hear insects. What insect is making that noise? Just time to slow down and observe what is around us. Thank you for listening. The Naperville Park District's mission is to provide park and recreation experiences that promote healthy lives, healthy minds, and a healthy community. Park Talk Podcast is a production of the Naperville Park District.